You're listening to the Dreaming and Doing Podcast with your host, Melissa Wessner, a licensed counselor and entrepreneur. If you're a big dreamer who wants to take inspired action in your personal, professional, or business life, you're in the right spot. Welcome back to the Dreaming and Doing podcast. You are in for a treat with our guest today. We're going to be talking with Gabrielle Giuliano Villani, who is a licensed clinical social worker, consultant, coach, entrepreneur, and educator based in Florida. She specializes in stress, chronic health conditions, and trauma. And after scaling her group practice to seven figures and realizing her own burnout in 2021, she sold her thriving group practice and made it her mission to educate others on the impact of stress on our bodies. So welcome, Gabrielle. I'm so glad you could be here with us today. Me too. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share all this with your listeners. Yes. So you openly talk about your own experiences with burnout, burnout as you are running your practice, burnout in the process of selling. Talk with us a little bit about your experience with burnout and some of the things that you started to notice that made you aware that you were there. Yes. Great question that people ask me all the time. Like, how did I know? (laughs) And of course, this looks different for everybody. But what I really was like, the there were two really big red flags, actually. And the first one was that when I was in sessions or I was like doing stuff with my team, I was very apathetic and distracted. So I would be like, 47 more minutes. (laughs) What are we going to talk about for 47 more minutes? And I would, I just didn't care. I was like, I don't care. I don't want to hear this story anymore. I don't care what my team has to say. I just want to like burn this all down and like everybody leave me alone. So the apathy was huge. um, And I always get really nervous when I share that because obviously being a therapist and a business owner, you, you need to care. And so that's why it was a huge red flag that I didn't anymore. And that's why I I did what I did to take care of it. And the second piece that was very telling to me was just every morning I felt angry and irritable and I had like a pit in my stomach and I felt dread and I felt like I'm afraid to look at my phone and see who emailed me overnight and I just didn't want to deal with it and you know of course that bled over into not just my business but my personal life too and I was like it's just kind of like it clicked one morning. I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to be happy and excited. I don't want to feel overwhelmed and cranky and snapping at everybody in my life. Like that is not how I want to live. That's not being engaged or really living and enjoying. Yes. And so I'm wondering before you had this aha moment, What were some of the maybe warning signs, for lack of a better term? Like, what were some of the signs along the way, Um, even if they're signs that you only recognized in hindsight? Yeah, I think a lot of them are in hindsight. I think part of my problem was that I had a lot of issues with 
people-pleasing and being codependent and boundaries. And mm-hmm. I would, you know, like I remember, and this is just a small thing, but it bled over again, like into all other areas. Like my team was in Colorado and I had already moved to Florida. And so I was two hours ahead and my team would call me sometimes it would be like nine o'clock here. And I'm like, I don't know why you need to call me at 7 PM mountain time, but whatever. (laughs) And they would be like, I need to talk to you about this client or this case. And I'm already in like downtime. I'm already in my jammies on the couch, watching housewives. Like I don't want to hear about trauma right now, but because I was like, this is what a good leader does. I need to be there for them. I let it happen. And I, it was a really small thing that I was actually talking about with, she's a friend. If she wasn't my friend, she would be my coach. (laughs) And she was like, why are you letting them do that? Like you need to, you know, be the boss and tell them no. And I was like, you're right. Like why am nobody needs to call me and private practice, there's not really very many emergencies. And these never were emergencies. And so um, I had to set that boundary. And I did. I said, you guys, like, I don't, I can't. Like, my business hours are this and this. If it's a true emergency, you can call me. Otherwise, send me an email because I'm not going to check my email till the next day. And I was telling this whole story to one of my own consulting clients now who's struggling with the same thing. And she said, didn't they get mad at you? Were they mad at you that you did that? And I was like, no, actually they weren't. They seemed to respect me more because I was acting like the boss and setting boundaries. And I think that that was just a lot of the problem from the beginning is that I didn't have the business training that I have now didn't have it then. And so I would just let people walk all over me. I would bend over backwards to try and make them happy instead of viewing it in a framework of like, yes, I can help you, but it's not my job to bend over to your every whim. And not everybody is going to be a good fit for the practice. So I would like try and force it a lot of times. And that caused me a lot of stress. Yeah. And I like that connection that you're making between burnout and boundaries, right? Because I think that setting boundaries are so hard for so many people, right? Because we are afraid of how people are going to respond to them and what they're going to think once they're set. Absolutely. And it is, it's still difficult. I even this week had something now in my new business where I was uh, working on a one-time project for somebody and they were being very difficult and micromanaging me. And, you know, I'm a contractor. I'm like, I'm going to do it when, within the time frame. like, don't tell me how, <laughs> don't tell me when. And the same friend was like, just a reminder, Gabrielle, like you're in control. You can say no, you don't have to work with those kinds of people. And I did end up going through with it, but I had to set some clear boundaries with her on like what the project was going to look like and what the scope was going to look like. And that was a learning experience for me too. I had a lot of it in our contract, but there were like two missing pieces. And I'm like, I know for next time to make sure that those are really clear. (laughs) Yes. And right, just that reminder of how we all need those those friends in our small businesses who are going to hold us accountable or share their outside observations. Absolutely. It's huge because 
we're very isolated and it is lonely at the top. And Mm -hmm. that is why we have masterminds and coaching and consulting and all of those things. And it is so important because we get really narrowly focused sometimes and kind of like stuck in our ways. And we don't see that maybe it's something very small that we could delegate or change that will end up to having a really big impact on our own stress levels and how we run our business efficiently. Yes, yeah, so whatever we're doing, that there are other possibilities as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, um, you know, when you recognized that you were feeling burned out, what are some of the steps that you took to remedy that or to work through that? It was a long journey, <laughs> and I think that this all really started my burnout in like 2020, like a lot of us, and it's now the end of 2023, and I just feel like I'm starting to get on the other side of it and feeling better. Um, so a lot of the things that I did were, uh, well, I went on a retreat, And I know that you know the power of retreats, so that was really helpful. And I did a lot of internal work about my values, what I wanted my life to look like, um, what success looked like to me, what my ideal day looked like to me. And I also, another piece of this too was um, I got diagnosed with ADHD kind of like in the middle of all of this. And I think that really helped me actually understand how that played into a lot of this stuff because now I've also done a lot of deeper work on um, regulating my nervous system and what that looks like. And so I know that, and again, this is coming from a place of privilege because I've kind of designed my life like this, but I dreamed it and here I am. And I designed my day how I need it to be for my energy levels. So I know that I don't like to start working before 10 a.m. because I like a slow morning, like to get up and either go for a walk or go to the gym and have my coffee. And then I kind of ease into the day because if I start working before 10, I feel really rushed. And then my whole day is rushed. I know that I also need things that are harder or take more of my energy or time to happen earlier on in the day, not at the end of the day. I also know that I'm introverted. And so when I do things like this, like a podcast or a presentation, there's only going to be one per day. (laughs) I'm not going to book something right after it because I need time to decompress. So having like those, um, some people call them intentional margins, like set into my day is huge for me because again, seems really small, but adds up to big uh, impacts in my nervous system and how I manage my stress. Yes. Now talk with me about, you have this moment where you realize I'm burned out. You start taking some steps to remedy that, but it sounds like also during that time you decided to sell your practice. Talk with me about that moment of realizing I'm burned out and the decision to sell. So I thought about selling uh, probably like spring 2021 and I ran some numbers and it didn't really seem worth it. So I put it on the back burner, but it kept like being in the back of my mind, like maybe there is an out for this. (laughs) 
and I could change things. And when I was on um, vacation, I was in Hawaii in like July, 2021. And I got a phone call um, from somebody and they said, we represent this business and they want to acquire you. And I was like, this is totally spam. Like this is not real. And my same friend was like, actually, that's how a lot of these things happen. She's in a different industry, which is helpful. And she's like, just call them back and see. And I did. And they were like, you know, it's legit. I researched it and we decided to move forward. And that's like very high level. Of course, there, you know, I met with a buyer and we did more stuff beforehand. But um, I kind of waffled back and forth a lot because it was like my identity. And I was like, what mm-hmm. am I going to do now if I'm not billing in simple practice every day, <laughs> looking at people's calendars and all of that stuff? those random admin tasks that I was still doing. And I talked to two people. One was actually a mentor from the SBA. And he said something that has always stuck with me. He said, people sell for two reasons, for lifestyle or for money. And you need to figure out what is the reason. And that was a big shift for me because I did think it was for money, but I was like, actually, it's for lifestyle. This doesn't fit me anymore. This is not my path and this is not what I want to do. And the second thing that really helped me when I would go back and forth um, was my broker who said, you know, think of your entire life and this is just a stepping stone. This is Mm. just getting you to like the next level of where you want to be. Like you're too in the moment, which we tend to be (laughs) therapists, right? He's like, you need to think about the big picture of your whole life and what you want to do next and how this is going to help you get there. So those two things really helped me shift my perspective that I didn't want to hang on to this for another five years and kill myself to grow it, but that it was time for change. And I also felt that intuitively also. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's so many really important nuggets in there (laughs) and I also just love that you're like, I ran the numbers and I put it on the back burner, you know, it just didn't seem worth it, but it was always still there and it was there and it was there and it was there. And then one day someone just happens to call and it was like these two things lining up and eventually worked out. Um, so I just love hearing how that happened. And I was also wondering, and I think you just answered, is when you ran the numbers and you were like, it's not worth it, what made you feel like it was worth it? And it sounds like lifestyle. Lifestyle. And like, I mean, of course I did make some money, like not Mm -hmm. millions and millions, but enough. (laughs) But did make it worth it to me to say like, this is a payout for all the blood, sweat and tears I've put Mm -hmm. into this. And this is, you know, like my next runway to do the next thing. Um, but yes, I think that just sitting down and being like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to manage people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to deal with the stresses of hiring. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty and at that time too, about, um, Medicare covering telehealth, which is very specific, Mm. but it was specific to me because my group practice was largely telehealth. And so it was a risk. And, you know, we had switched, of course, to the pandemic and I couldn't find anybody to hire who wanted to do in-person and the Sondermines and the Headways and the Almas of the world were just kind of coming up and becoming more popular. So hiring was really difficult. 
And um, I also felt very tied down. I was still seeing a couple of clients and even just seeing those few clients was very draining for me. And I knew that I didn't want to work in that way, like just hour to hour watching the clock, making money just in those like 60 minutes. I knew that there are other ways that I like to work that make me feel more energized where I can be creative. And that's what I wanted to focus on. Yeah. And I love that reminder to focus on the big picture, like in the grand scheme of our lives, knowing that our time on earth is limited, our time in general is limited, our energy how do I want to be spending my time? How do I want to be spending my energy? Am I enjoying this? Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, how do I make decisions to kind of move myself in the direction that I want to be going? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think that it that seems so simple, right? But like, <laughs> I think a lot of us had that shift through the pandemic also mm-hmm. that like life is short. What do you mm-hmm. want to do? Because you can do whatever you want. I've talked about this example on other podcasts before. I'm going to share it again because it's a really good one. And there is a girl that I went to, um, or actually I worked with her in New York. And her sister is known as the hot rabbi. And that's her job. She is the hot rabbi. Rich people in New York hire her and travel with her so that she can um, help with Shabbos. And that's her job. And I'm like, that is the perfect example of like, if you create your dream life, like she created her dream life. Mm -hmm. She's like, this is what I want to do. I want to be like a fashionista and I'm going to be hot and I'm still going to be a rabbi. And there she has her niche and she has her market for her niche. So that is just a great example of like, you can do whatever you want. Life is short and you will actually make more money if you do things that you feel passionate about. Yes. I have so many questions. Um, I'm I'm holding the one on identity. I'm coming back to that one. Um, I'm thinking about a conversation that I had with a friend and a colleague who also went through an experience of selling her business. Um, And she sold her business during a time where she also was just kind of burned out and like, I am ready to be done. And the interesting thing about my conversation with her is that she said, you know what, because I was where I was, I was just so happy about whatever thing people offered me in the selling process. Um, And you've gone through the selling process. It sounds like you're very happy with where you are. How did you kind of navigate that of like knowing that like I'm ready to be done? And also I want to make sure that as we're navigating all of these very many stressful conversations that you have to have when selling, that this is still working for me and I'm still able to advocate for myself and not just say yes because I'm eager? That's a really great question too. And I think having my friend slash mentor and a broker were key in those things because it is hard to get caught up in all of that. And it's also was hard for me, again, moment of vulnerability. Like I was in a room with like Harvard MBA dudes. And I'm like, I'm just a little social worker. Like That's how <laughs> I saw myself. And so I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, is this right? I have no idea. Should I just say yes? Because I, I don't want to, you know, screw up the deal and I want it to go through. And so it is a very fine line of like, 
not saying yes, but being a little bit agreeable and sometimes being a little bit aloof and being Mm -hmm. like, let me get back to you type of a thing and not just agreeing to agree because you don't know what else to do in those moments. So I had to dig deep and find the confident parts of myself and ask them to come forward. And uh, looking at that again with like taking all of that stuff and putting it with my values and um, how I wanted to move forward. And I think that can be very difficult for us as therapists because we're relational and we want to make our staff happy and we're worried about our staff and what it's going to look like for them. And I had to think of myself and put myself first and know that if I kept killing myself to make this business profitable and trying to hire people and, you know, those types of things, I didn't have a problem with clients (laughs) that we had too many of, but the hiring was really the stressful part in insurance and just like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, then what's left? Like I'm killing myself for them. They'll leave the second they get a new job offer. And that's fine. Good for them. They're totally allowed to do that. So I had to really think about what made sense for me as the owner and that, you know, everybody else who worked there has free will and they could stay or they could leave. And I would do the best that I could to vet the buyer. And I think that I did a good job. I met them many, many times. We had many very vulnerable, open, transparent conversations and they really valued my staff, which was important to me. Um, and you know, that's all that I can do. I can't control what happens after, even though I, I did stay on and a lot of us do for a year. And so I think that helped quite a bit. Um, but there's just things that are out of my control and I have to think about myself sometimes. And that doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad business owner. Yes. Yeah. And I hear, you know, thinking about yourself in making the decision to sell, but also as you were setting boundaries along the way too, and and knowing that that's okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I'm curious, um, because one of the things that you had mentioned is that, um, you know, you have a specific perspective on this burnout that occurred when you were running your business and also selling the business. And you've really chosen a perspective of uh, this is not, this doesn't mean that this was a failure. This, this was part of my journey. And it's a part of your journey that's also leading you um, down a road where you're able to fulfill or pursue some things that were dreams you had from the get-go. And so I'm wondering if you can talk with us, one, about that perspective that you've taken on your experience with burnout and also how it's led you down a road where you can focus on some dreams you've had all along. It was really difficult. I felt a lot of shame, both internal and external, for selling. And it's interesting because in other industries, people start their businesses to sell them. So um, in our industry, it's seen as like shameful, like I had Mm -hmm. (laughs) given up or um, like that's not what entrepreneurs do, like you're a failure. and I took a lot of that in and it was hard. I felt ashamed and that made me feel more ashamed. But then, you know, through therapy and coaching and consulting, (laughs) I was able to switch that to like, no, this is actually a strength and 
like for me, it was like a power move. Like, no, I'm done with that and I can change and I'm going to change and I'm going to move on to the next thing now because this no longer serves me. And so I have been able to see it in that way, but I know, um, I was just consulting with somebody about this recently and she had the same thing. She's like, I just really struggle with that. I feel like I'm a failure. I'm worried about what my team is going to say. And I just, you know, I have like such a hard time with that. And it's all about mindset and shifting your perspective and that actually true entrepreneurs, right? Kind of, we do what we need to do to move on. And we know when something isn't, serving us anymore. And I'm not going to put my time and my energy and everything into something that I don't want to do. And that is actually making me feel physically sick every day because it's not in alignment with me. Well, one, thank you for mentioning the shame, right? I think that that's so important because you had mentioned the feelings that came up and even acknowledging that you felt burned out. And then also this feeling of shame over wanting to sell your business Um, And I think that that's just so important to name and also just to acknowledge that when it shows up, when you have people around you who can uh, be outside observers, like you said, therapists, coaches, consultants, mentors, all these other people who are able to give us a different perspective are so valuable. Yes. Um, So the other thing that I was wondering is you've kind of used this experience and it's again, kind of redirected you back down a road of pursuing things that were dreams from the beginning. So I'm wondering if you can talk with us about um, some of those dreams that you've um, kind of found again and some of the new dreams that you're pursuing. So I love this question too, because I'm a big believer, like I said, and obviously that's the name of your podcast and like you can have your dream life and we get very caught up in our heads and we get caught up in shoulds and what other people are doing in the comparisons. And I love to travel. And I remember kind of like probably 2018, 2019, you know, I'm late to the game, but I had like started hearing about like digital nomads and I'm like, that's cool, but I could never do that as a therapist. Like you can't do that. And I've learned to never say never, first of all. (laughs) And second of all, you know, like silver lining of COVID, a lot of people started doing that. And I was able to move to Florida to be closer to my family and closer to the beach because that's what I love and leave Denver and still, you know, manage my team from here. And that's where the first time I was like, okay, that could actually be something that I do. And so now, I mean, I've worked from Costa Rica. I've worked from Belize. I even went to the Cook Islands, which are all the way on the other side of the world near New Zealand. And I wasn't supposed to work there, but there was actually a huge cyclone named Gabrielle that came through and we ended up staying an extra week. So I was actually working um, on the beach in Rarotonga and And I can do that now because I have created my life in that way. And that's kind of what I always wanted was freedom. I want to be able to work from anywhere. And I also um, have made my travel part of my life. Now I run retreats. Now I do speaking engagements or I do trainings in places that I want to visit and that I find exciting. Like I just went to Savannah, Georgia last month. I'd never been there before. And somebody invited me to speak at their conference. And I was like, Savannah looks super cute. I would love to be there. (laughs) 
And so I've been able to create my life that way. And the other piece too, that I continue to evolve and work on is I can't make money just doing one-to-one work with people. It is way too draining for me and my nervous system. And so now I have created other ways that I can make money. I have online courses. um, I have an Etsy content creation. Like all of those things are a little bit more, I wouldn't say they're totally passive, but more passive where I don't have to be with somebody for an hour. Or I do things like a training where I am, you know, it's still my time for an hour or two, but there's, you know, I did one last month and there was 2,400 people on there. And so I'm able to reach more people and help more people in that hour than if I was just doing therapy with one client. And so that is really how I've been able to shift my focus to create my dream life. I love all of those things. I find them so exciting. I'm sitting here smiling because I just think it's so exciting to hear about what you've been able to do with your traveling and remote work. I just think that that sounds so fun. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier is really, you know, the shift in identity that for years your practice had been your identity, right? And so of course, if you're going to sell your business, it does feel like Uh, this big part of your identity. And so I'm wondering what other parts of your identity have you been growing into and taking on as you have made this transition? Really good questions, Melissa. (laughs) Um, I can't wait to listen to the other episodes of your podcast. So (laughs) um, I think that having my business as my entire identity was a problem that I didn't realize. But I kind of grew up in a way, and I think a lot of millennials did, where it was like hustle, like your Mm -hmm. career is everything, work, work, work. Like if you work a lot, you are good. That's what you're supposed to do. And so that's how I always felt was like, yeah, it's like a flex if I'm like working on the weekends. (laughs) And then again, COVID, I was like, actually, it's not like, I don't, I don't want to be working on the weekends. And even when I travel, like, yeah, some of it is for work, but there needs to be time for play also. Um, so I've had to, I think, well, one thing that I noticed in the past was that I was definitely more in like a scarcity place, which mm-hmm. gets you nowhere. And now I do everything from abundance, that there is more than enough for all of us and for me, and that I don't need to be working in front of my computer to be successful or to be making money. And actually, I make more money and I do more when I have space and lots of downtime because I'm creative and I'm in my rest and digest, safe and connected place of my nervous system. And so I've really leaned into that, which has really also helped me connect to um, more of my spirituality and sound healing and intuitive coaching and readings that I do as part of my work now too. Yeah. And I love that one. There are so many things that you're saying that are so relatable. And I know that people who are listening to this are going to be like, yep, Yep. Yep. (laughs) Me too. Been there, done that. Um, And I love hearing about just that lesson of when I step back and I'm having fun and not necessarily working, that I'm able to work better. 
And I'm really curious to hear what you think about that. I mean, there are people who like that's part of their marketing. They're like, the more fun I have, the more money I make. Um, and at first I was like, you know, maybe that's just cute for marketing. Uh, but the more that I like am really, really doing my own work, I'm yeah. also like, nope, that, that, that is true. Like, um, that is true. And, you know, since you are offering retreats and, you know, I'm offering one right now as well. One of the things that I often hear come up for people is like, no, 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 but I can't take time away from my work. Right. Like, I can't do that. Like I have to be at the office and I have to be in the hustle and I have to be in the grind. Um, you know, and what you're saying and what I hear some other people saying is actually that's, we have a sense of, we have a sense that working so hard is going to be the thing that helps us be successful and it's going to help our business. When in fact, there's another way to approach our work by stepping away, by relaxing, by doing things that are going to help us access our creativity. And so I'm just wondering how, what, how do you respond when you have people who are really set into this message that many of us have been told that uh, we have to keep on working and that stepping away is not good. Yeah, that is a really good point because I hear the same thing from a lot of people also and a lot of people who um, are thinking about coming to retreat or have even signed up for my retreat and they're like, this is the most time off I've taken and it's like six days and I'm like, you need to take more than that, first of all. (laughs) Although we're going to do a lot of work in six days, like you need to take time off. And I think that it's hard because this is a message that a lot of us have gotten, but yeah, we are like neurologically and physically, you need rest. And we have this idea in our head that we're not productive. I hate that word or we're lazy. I also hate that word if we're not working and it's like, actually you are this is productive. Rest is part Mm -hmm. of what you need. You need to recharge. And if you, you know, again, like, what do you want your perfect life to look like? Do you want it to be that you're in back-to-back Zoom meetings for 40 hours a week? Does that excite you? Because it doesn't excite me. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, again, you can create it to be how you want it to be. Because what is living to you? What excites you? It's probably maybe work, but I bet also being with your kids or traveling or being with your dog or painting or dancing or whatever it is, like you need to have space for that. And uh, there's lots, really lots of research that shows that like when you do take rest and you do do things that excite you and make you more creative, you are more successful because you need to be in that flow and in that zone to activate it and to, um, to be creative and to be in a space where you can be and you can be open and curious and joyful and in the moment and not always in a place where you are leading from scarcity um, or fear or anxiety because that is that will lead you down a path of, I shouldn't say not being successful, but it'll lead you down a path of um, frustration and not being able to engage with the world around you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I love all of this information that you are sharing. And I think that 
there are so many key points that people are going to be able to take away from this conversation. Um, one of the questions I've been asking everybody is, what is a big dream that you have right now? I have a lot of dreams. <laughs> I think my biggest one right now is that I really want to continue to work one-to-one less and buy property in Belize or Costa Rica. The long-term goal is the Cook Islands, but that's a little bit more difficult. And um, move there and just run retreats and just, you know, be in the jungle. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. to monkeys and toucans and yeah, just being more connected to nature and having a slower pace of life. Yeah. And I love it. And that's one of the things that I love about being able to talk with people on a podcast. And one about dreaming and doing is just to hear all of the really amazing things that people are doing, the really inspiring things that people want to be doing, and to know that those things are possible. They are possible. And I think I used to get really nervous to say things like that. But when I work with people who are, again, coming from an abundant mindset and even um, like this um, marketing membership that I'm a part of, and I was talking to the woman who like leads it. And I told her, I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. I just want to sell courses and like have run a couple retreats a year. And she's like, that's awesome. Great. Let's do it. And that is cool. That's the energy that you need in your life. If you have people who are like, there's no way you can do that. They're wrong. You absolutely can create your dream life and it can be whatever the hell you want. If you want to be the hot rabbi, do it. If you want to be the hot dog walker, do it. Yes. Well, know that I will be watching, cheering you on. And when you get that property, I will be celebrating with you from afar. I'll invite you down. I would love, I would absolutely love that. So if people are interested in your work, they want to reach out, they want to learn more, how can they find you? Yeah, so I'm pretty easy to find because of my name. So uh, my website is GabrielleGiulianoVellani.com. That's where you can contact me if you want business coaching or consulting or training on how to scale or sell your business or burnout prevention using nervous system regulation tools or if you want to learn about retreats. And um, on Instagram, it's at GJV Consulting. And then on LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. It's Gabrielle Giuliano Villani. And if you are a therapist or healthcare agency and you need help with Medicare, it's Medicare. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us. Uh, It was really great talking with you. Thanks again for having me, Melissa. Thanks for listening to the Dreaming and Doing podcast. You can connect with Melissa at dreaminganddoing.net. This podcast is intended to provide inspiration and information. It is not a replacement for therapy or coaching, and listening to this podcast does not constitute a professional working relationship with Melissa. If you need therapy or coaching, I encourage you to take that step.